Welcome to this episode of the Marketing Junkies. This is your host, Joe Simon and Samir Kumar. We are in, in a different coffee house this time, uh, and we debated about changing the name to Coffee House Podcast, but I think, Samar, uh, Samir, we've uh, come up with uh, a place to record every um, episode, and it's with the background music. This place is actually kind of pretty, so I kind of like it, and you know, it's very... Uh, I mean, I think Very we've, jazzy. De- we, we, we've developed a talent of finding the uh, quietest spot in the noisiest uh, coffee house. But luckily, we got no one sitting next to us. But next time, uh, as you said, Joe, if there is someone that decides to sit next to us during the podcast, we're going to introduce them, and uh, you're going to have a guest on the podcast. I mean, the last episode, those guys, those guys were noisy, but they really didn't show up in the background as much as I thought they were going to be. Even though I heard their entire conversation, I was like, man, I think everyone's going to hear all about their business deal going on. It turned out it wasn't so bad, but uh, today we got more of a uh, jazz uh, ensemble behind us. I like the jazz. Yeah, coffee's pretty cool. I do like the coffee here. Coffee's not bad. Uh, the iced coffee is uh, actually legit, so I'm uh, I'm happy with it. Yeah, this is pretty good. I think I have too large of a size. I'm going to be wired, but mm-hmm. enough about our coffee. Enough uh, about the coffee house. Exactly. Let's uh, so today I want to jump on one of the books that I absolutely loved uh, when I first started to learn about marketing. Um, and the book is Influenced by Robert Cialdini. It's the psychology of persuasion. Um, I think every marketer at one point, especially early on, should read this book because it just changes the way you think about how, how you should speak to your target audience, how you should speak to your you know your employees, how you speak to anyone you're selling your product or service to, right? And it's just the thinking behind it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's all about the... Well, as it says, human psychology. And I'm going to spell this guy's last name because it doesn't uh, exactly spell like it sounds. It's uh, Robert Cialdini. The last name is spelled C-I-A-L-D-I-N-I. And uh, this is a book that I actually give out to all my clients at live events. I think it's actually the first book I give out because it's not necessarily, quote-unquote, a marketing book, but it's a human psychology book. And it has, uh, what is it, six basic principles. And um, and we're going to go through some of them today. And they're... uh, they provide a really good fundament. They provide the tenets of a good basis for your marketing system. So if you think about these these fundamentals as you go through each and every marketing strategy that you implement, you'll find that there's a lot more impact to each marketing stage. So which one do you want to start out with? Uh, I mean, let's, I'm open let, to any of them. Yeah, let's let's list them out actually. So you know, there's reciprocation, there's uh, commitment and consistency, social proof, liking, authority, and scarcity. Right. So I, uh, you know. I, To be honest, one of my favorite ones that I've used in the past is reciprocation. When you actually do something for somebody else and before you ask them for anything. And I think that's been a key to any marketing I think that everyone should learn from from get-go, right? Give something away first. Uh, I'll give you an example for our business. Um, We, I don't want to say we give away our evaluation, but if someone comes in without health insurance, we actually give them everything we got on that first visit. We tell them everything we can because we know our competition will charge them for that visit. We in turn will say, hey, look, we're not gonna charge you for this. We want you to feel better. If you can afford it, these are our prices. If you can't, there are other people that we would be, we, that would be happy to work with you. But that, that attitude, they're so happy to get that. And the one more, one more thing I should add is before they leave, they get a gift bag. So actually giving them a gift, and I actually took that directly out of this book, that exact example of giving someone a gift and not, you know, uh, from the first day, and then they will 
obviously reciprocate and say, oh, I got to give something back to this person. It's it's a natural uh, it's a natural feeling. So I'm going to share the uh, example from the book, and then I'll tell you a little story about a mastermind that I used to have. So the story in the book that uh, Chaldini uses is he talks about the Hare Krishnas back at the airport in the yeah, 70s. Yeah. Remember that? And he. So what they would do is they would walk up to you, and this is, I guess, back when people were allowed to touch other people <laughs> in airports, <laughs> is they would pin a, uh, what was it, marigold or some type of flower on you, right? Flower, I'm sorry, yeah. And in return, they would ask for a donation. And what would happen is, this the theory of reciprocity was the person would feel obligated to give some level of donation to the Hare Krishna, whether it was you know a quarter or a buck or whatever it may be. And um, the approach was that they've already pinned this on you before you even knew what was going on. And even though you may not have wanted it, the obligation was already there. So what they later found out in the book was they looked and people would, they, they would the Hare Krishnas would go back to the garbage where everyone had just thrown away the flowers that were pinned on them. They would pick them up, collect them, and then uh, recirculate them. So basically their uh, capital cost was reasonably low. But that was the process of reciprocity. And so reciprocity from this example doesn't need to be expensive. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, it can be something as simple as, uh, you know, we do live consultations, right? To have maybe uh, cookies at the yeah. live consultation. One of the things that I started doing was is uh, making my clients a cup of coffee. And so this was this just seems a little. I would actually tell my assistants. I said, "Listen, find out what they want to drink, but then tell me. Let me make it for them." So Joe comes in. Joe, you come into my office. You're going to see this. I'm going to say, "Hey, Joe, how do you like your coffee?" He's like, "Well, I like an iced coffee." Because you know Joe's a pain in the ass, and he always wants ice and stuff and stuff that we don't have, right? So we're gonna—I'm gonna make him a nice coffee, but I'm going to pour the ice and I'm gonna pour the coffee and I'm gonna make it myself. Because who pours you a cup of coffee? You know, you walk into someone's house and they feed you, and then you feel a sense of reciprocity that they're taking care of you. So that's something that we've done. So it doesn't have to be expensive; it can be very simple. But it's just something above and beyond what anyone else is doing. So small stuff like that we always do. Um, I mean, to, to, to piggyback off of that, what we, what we do as well is uh, we give a bottle of water out while the person is going through their exercises. If they're working out, we say, hey, uh, thirsty, here you go. Here's, even before we ask them if they're thirsty, we see that they're sweating, we kind of walk over with a bottle of water. We used to just have the cold spring big bottles and people would just go get a glass of water, but we changed that. We're like, you know what? I said that the act of actually handing something to somebody was so huge for us that the end, when you... When you piggyback that off of the fact that, hey, do you know anybody that would be like, you know, be a good fit for us, that would work with us, they'd be inclined to start thinking about like, with that handing them the bottle of water, it, it just works so well. Like, right away they're thinking about, oh, you know what, I do have a friend that would work that needs this kind of service. It was a home run. Do you, do you ever, see, do you, you know the name of the people who are coming in before they come in, right? Yeah. Have you ever written their name on the bottle? No, have not done that. That's uh. I'll give you a great story about that. I was on vacation, yeah, and this was in Mexico. And before we got to the hotel, they had an ice cream for my kids. An ice cream in hot ass Mexico. They had an ice cream, and on the ice cream paper that wrapped around the little cone, they had the kids' names on it. Oh yeah, badass. We were so impressed. Like, oh, this is for this one. This is for that. One. We were so impressed with that. We were like, take my money. <laughs> that was so good. Take my money. And, and the reason that was because reciprocity kicks up to another level when they take care of your kids instead of oh, you. Genius. Absolutely. Unbelievable. It reminds me of like, you know, when you start, remember when you started taking Ubers, you would generally have, you know, or, or whatever ride share you were taking. Um, you know, someone pick you up, it'd be great. But then there'd always be that Uber driver that would be like, I have water in their car, would have like magazines for you to read in the back. 
that's reciprocity. The chances of them getting a tip goes up exponentially. True. So that that's uh, I think that was definitely one of the the angles and influence weapons of influence as Chaldini would say that would really benefit anyone listening to this podcast right now. Um, the next one is, that I I think it's easy for us to talk about and I think we'll and we might get through everything today, but let's go to the main ones. I think social proof or is probably my next one up that I would say is so good. Social proof or testimonials. And, and look, I, I know what your people listening right now are probably going to say the same thing most of my clients and tell me, Joe, I'm just starting out. I don't have any testimonials yet. What do I do? You know, and I'll throw that to you right away. That's the, it's the most common question we get. But what's, what's your response to that? So starting out. Let's talk about a little bit beyond starting out, which is like a couple weeks in business, a couple months in business. So I'm going to make the assumption that you've made some money. You've generated some income. You've had some clients. Uh, the first thing I would do is I would just go back to the people that you've worked with and that you've served well. So I'll give you an example. So when I'm working with my clients in, in the, mar- the marketing and training business, I'll often ask them when, on this term of social proof, I'll say, um, have you had clients that you've worked with? And they'll be like, yeah, well, I've only had 20 clients in the last year. I go, okay, great. Not a big deal. That's, that's still a decent number. I go, how many of them have been happy with you? And they're like, oh, all of them. I go, okay, so how many of them have been ecstatic with what you've done for them? And they'd be like, well, like 18 or 19. I go, awesome, that's fine. You can always have one person that's not going to be happy no matter what you do. Have you reached out to those 18 or 19 people and have you asked them, how, how, you know, did you do a good job for them? What did they think? And they're like, no, I haven't. Well, I'm like, let's start with that. Go out and reach out to them and say, hey, did I treat you well? Did I do a good job? Were you pleased with my service? That's step one. Um, and the second step in that, and I think we talked about this in a previous podcast as well, is to say, okay, great, would you be cool leaving me a uh, testimonial or leaving me a review online or whatever it is, whatever your mechanism of getting reviews and getting social proof is. And most of them say, yeah, great, no problem. And then, of course, and uh, this is the part that I'm not going to go into too much detail right now because I think we covered in an earlier podcast, is ask them for the review. Tell them how to give you the review. Tell them what to write. Tell them what you're going to do with the review. So for the person starting out, and I'm I'm not talking about ground zero. I'm talking about, hey, I have two, three, five, 20 clients, depending on you know, whatever your volume of business is, reach out to the people that have already been in your world. See, uh, con- con- confirm that they love what they, the way you treated them, and then if they did, ask them for a, a review. You know, that, I, I love the, the thinking behind it. That's, that's really a golden nugget. So people that are listening, right, make sure you write that one down. Uh, the takeaway in the book, basically, he, he, just, he just says something very simple. People, people want to follow what other people do. It's so simple, right? It's a simple concept, right? They're following what other people do. So let's just talk about a Google review, which we did speak about in other uh, podcast episodes. But let's just touch base on that again. When people come in and we ask them, hey, why did you choose us? We're like, oh, you had a lot of Google reviews. You had some of the best Google reviews I read. Because they want to feel that confidence that, hey, look, this person, you know, somebody else is also going through this exact same thing I'm going through and they want to feel that same thing so I think social proof the more you have the better you're going to be uh, I'm the big proponent of tell you to get as many Google reviews as possible get on your website and if you are just starting out and you have nothing uh, should you fake it is a question we get you know I've seen uh, and look no ethics and when I'm talking about ethics like if you're just starting out you have to ask like hey have you helped anyone with this service in the past and yeah, you may not be you may not be able to use their whole name. You might, but you can say, "Hey, look, I genuinely helped somebody. 
use it as a review. You, obviously, you couldn't post it on Google, but you can put it on your website. Or, you know, the, these are the things that I would say just to get you started, getting the ball rolling a bit. But make sure you get more of those real reviews from the from your actual client is a, is a huge takeaway. Yeah, and, I, and guys, it's, it's, a, it's a pain in the ass in the beginning. Because you're like, all right, I got one Google review, and my next competitor has like 37 reviews. So it's a building process, but one of the things that we talked about was to also have processes in place that um, you have to have a follow-up sequence to follow up for Google reviews. You have to tell people how to write them. You have to tell them what to write. You have to teach them how to post it. Uh, so they're you know, all reasonably simple stuff, but you have to just guide your clients on how to do this stuff. But the impact, when you start hitting numbers where, and obviously only... Only ask clients who you know are going to give you a kick-ass review. <laughs> don't 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 ask the ones that are going to give you a crappy review because they will hurt you. I think that should be a given, right? For, for everyone listening, that's a given. You should not be asking for people that do not like you for a review, right? Exactly. Uh, but here's the other thing. Sometimes you'd be surprised. You have people come in. I've had people leave me a review who spend three minutes on the phone with me. They'll call me up and they'll be like, hey, listen, I need an attorney for this. I'm like, listen, don't hire any attorney. You're wasting your money. You don't have a case. Don't pay me. Don't pay anyone else. There you go. I saved you even a consultation fee in three minutes. And I have no problem doing that. That's a reciprocity factor. And what happens is those people tend to leave me reviews faster than anyone else. And I don't even ask them. They just go, they're like, this attorney just told me exactly what to do in three minutes and didn't even leave me in for a consultation. Then, of course, I'll tell them, can you remove that part about not having me in for a consultation? (laughs) Because then people read that and they're like, all right, I I don't need them. But you can ask people who you've talked to for two minutes and helped out. Suppose, you know, let's talk about, uh, let's just say you're an accountant. You go to a party. Someone talks to you, hey, listen, you know what, tax season's coming up. I had this question about my my SEP account. And they say, hey, listen, this is what you do. Or you advise them, this is what you do. You know, call them up. Say, hey, listen, remember that time I advised you about the SEP? Was that helpful? They say, yeah, it was. And say, cool. Can I ask you a favor? Would you leave me a Google review? Never a client, just someone you ran into a party, someone you helped out. They can leave you a Google review, and it's legit because you did help them out. I mean, great, great takeaway. I, I like that. Where if you do something, look, if you you do something well for somebody else and, and you do good, I think that's going to be given back, obviously. Um, but it is so important, and I know a lot of people out there are kind of shy, they're gun shy to ask for someone to leave them a review. They're like, ah, I feel kind of, you know, I feel kind of salesy. I can't. And, and I tell people, you just got to get over it because people, if you really follow exactly what Cialdini's saying about social proof, it's very true. And I, I like to tell my clients the same thing. How many times have you looked upon a restaurant and looked at their review before you went and ate there? Or flip side, you buy a vacuum or you're buying a computer. How many times do you go through the reviews before you attend there? Don't think your patients or clients or whoever you're working with is any different than that. They're going to look you up and they're going to check your reviews. So really double check you're thinking on that before you take that next step. Yeah, even, even when I'm hell-bent on buying something on Amazon.com, I'm like, I know I'm going to buy something. I stop, I'm like, hey, yo, let me check out the reviews anyway. Yeah, I mean, it just saved me. I just bought a piece of uh, sporting equipment for my kid, and I got to tell you, I looked at the reviews, and I realized, I'm like, somebody was just like, hey, quality care sucked. The pieces were missing. Don't order from them. So I'm like, you know what? Let me order from the other guy who happens to be a little more expensive, but I'd rather order from them. So it, it, it happens. All right, so the next one we want to jump into of the weapons of mass influence. All right, we, <laughs> I'm, I'm, picking, I'm picking this one because I, I see that you have favorites, but I feel like it's going to be the one that you like as well. I, I like authority. Uh, authority is good. I can't go wrong with that as well. Authority. I think, you know, I think as someone in the service industry, and I think most of the people listening to this are in the service industry, we have authority already, right? You have some level of authority because you created it from the school you went to, from the, the license you carry, 
Uh, but how else? Like, obviously, look, you're a lawyer, you have a law degree. That's a, that's authority, right? Uh, I, go, I went to PD school, I have a license to practice physical therapy. That's a degree, right? So the, the, that's one way. How else can they present authority on a topic? So let's, let's take one step back, because I just actually saw this with a, with a client, or a prospect, I should say. Uh, lawyer, good school, did well in school, no website at all. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so here's the thing is that these credibility builders, and we're going to talk about those as well, is if you have credibility, like let's just say you went to an Ivy League school for whatever your profession is, uh, make sure you have a website and make sure that's mentioned there. So uh, someone would be like, oh, you went to Harvard Law School. Wow, okay, I'm going to hire you over someone that went to Joe Schmo Law School. Make sure you have that on there because there's certain things that you have to put up and then obviously the Googles or reviews that we talked about other people need to put up. But as far as um, authority, which I would say is the same as establishing expert status. Well, I mean, look, there's uh, somebody recently just, uh, we had this conversation and he, he is working with other MDs and he's trying to do consultations just like us, how we consult other practitioners. And he goes, Joe, how can I do it? And I said, look, you have, you have to hold in fact that besides the fact you, you run a great business, but you've also made more money than anyone else. And he, want, he doesn't want to talk about that. He doesn't want to say that, hey, I made this much money because he doesn't want to brag. But I told him, I said, listen, that's your level of authority over the other physicians. They may say, well, I'm a physician too. What doesn't, you know, the authority doesn't, you know, balances out. But if you say, hey, look, you're, you're a physician that only made 200 grand a year, and I'm a physician that made five million a year, hey, guess what? I want to work with a guy that knows how to run a business that generates five million a year, not a guy that only generates 200 grand a year. So I said, I would definitely use that as a position of authority. And it, again, you don't have to brag about it, but definitely you have to put it somewhere in your copy where, you know, you can say, I am this person. I went from this number to this number, you know. But when people see that, that gives a level of authority, and that's a financial authority, I think. That shows them, like, this guy has, or, uh, or we could say business sense authority, whatever we want to look at. That, that level of authority, besides our professional degrees, is what I think I've seen a lot more consultants do to show this is what they've done in the past. Yeah. I, I, I like publications as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say any particular type of publication because I don't want to overwhelm anyone. But, for example, uh, Joe, Joe's got a book. I've got a book. Uh, when you have a book on a subject, and guys, a book does not have to be like a New York Times bestseller uh, published through you know, a Penguin Publishing type book. I'm talking about you can have a self-published physical book that costs you. How much, how much is it to get a physical book in hand? A couple bucks? Yeah, to, for, yeah, if you realistically, it's like two dollars and ninety-eight cents okay. for a physical book. Let's make it twenty bucks. Just, just, okay. just, just yeah, to, if you want, if you want, like the basic. This is what I need. That's what the basic cost is, you know. Yeah. But and so, well, whatever it may be, a couple bucks, right? Now you have yeah. a physical book. Um, people defer a lot of credibility. You know, the reason we're kind of going through Cialdini's book, even though we told you to buy it, because the truth of the matter is, a lot of people are just not going to read the book. Some of you will, but a lot of you won't. Um, but. You know, there's, a great, there's a great statistic on that, right? Yeah, you know, go the, ahead. St the statistic is most people, even if they download it on Kindle, don't get past the first chapter. That's insane. Or the people that do get past the first chapter don't get past chapter three, and that's it. They don't go back to the book. So the fact that you could write a book and have blank pages from chapter five to twelve yeah. is insane, right? Like you wrote the first five chapters, <laughs> and you and you. It's it's insane statistics, but this this these are statistics from Amazon, and I was I was listening to another marketer talk about this, and it's absolutely amazing. 
but just the fact, like you said, look, I, I'm a big proponent believing that you should have, obviously, a book with some quality behind it. It should have some information where you're serving the public um, and giving them quality information. But to be honest, I mean, the leverage of having a publication outweighs the fact of not having a publication. Yeah, I mean, it could be booklets. It could be whatever. You know, let's, let's take a topic. Let's take something tangible. So it, uh, I practice immigration law. So what can I give to my clients? Like, you know, there's seven different types of cases. Someone comes in and says, hey, I want to file for citizenship. Okay? Well, I'm not going to write a book, like a you know, 200-page book on citizenship because I'm not... I'm not the immigration expert. I'm a marketing guy. Yeah. But what I'm going to have is I'm going to have a pamphlet that's 20 pages long that gives stories, that gives examples, and it's going to have my name on the cover, and it's going to look pretty, and it's going to be in color, and it's going to cost me three bucks, and I'm going to hand it to someone. And what they're going to do is they're going to be like, oh, this is nice. Physically hand off something to them that they can hold in their hand. And when I turn to them, they'll be like, yeah, by the way, I know you're talking to a couple other attorneys. Have they given you their book on citizenship? And the answer is always going to be no. The answer is going to be like, not even close. And so now they have to make a decision. Do I want to work with a second-rate provider? Which they might. They, yeah. they, they might want to save some money and do that. Or do I want to work with the best in the industry, which is what I'm establishing with my quote-unquote publication. Uh, great, great point. Uh, book is definitely, publication, I should say, a book is one of them. Uh, having access. The, the one thing before we jump off this topic is if you can be featured on you know, any of the biggest publications out there. If you can be a featured contributor, if, you're, if your article gets out there, all builds authority, right? If you can say you were featured on NBC, if you were featured on Forbes magazine, the Huffington Post, if you can get an article on any of those things, you are now your authority on the fact that you've written for something makes you, again, more attractive than your competitor. So, uh, and there's many ways to do that, guys. So we'll dive into that in probably another episode and probably give you the, like the backstory of how to get into that exactly. But before we run out of time, I want to jump on one more. Which one do you want to touch on? Uh, you know, I actually want to go back. I, I don't want to rush this because we could do another episode on probably the other ones as well. Yeah, true. Um, there's one thing that I wanted to share with you about social proof that I thought was a really cool thing. So um, social proof is, is simply anyone else besides you talking about you. That's what social proof is. I, and, and that could be good or bad. Um, so I'll give you an example. So the receptionist at my office. So... I work in a shared office which has a common receptionist and this is what I told the receptionist I told her I said listen when my clients come in I want you to be like oh who are you here to see and they're like they're going to be like yeah I'm here to see Samir or Mr. Kumar and I want you to say two words to them besides before you come and get me uh, or before you ask them what they want to drink I want you to tell them you're like oh Mr. Kumar oh you're going to love him he's awesome to work with just say some two, two nice words about me and she and she and I explained to her. I said because you're still a third party, even though you work under my umbrella. And so what happens is, even though the person saying something nice about you is someone that works for you or works with you or knows you or has the same interest of closing business as you do, they're not you, and the impact is huge. So take social proof as not some random person that you got to pull out of somewhere, but just take a look at the people that are in your world right now. Um, Mothers probably don't count because they're always going to say something good about you. But shy of that, you can take anyone for social proof. And if they True. Say no, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, you can, you can have people, your, your former employers, you, if you're just starting your business and you've worked for somebody for all this time. Uh, you might have clients that you've worked with under your former employer that you can ask for a testimonial about it. I think one of the best places to actually get that social proof is on LinkedIn. You can actually send out... Um, a, a link saying, hey, would you write a referral for me, a recommendation, actually. 
And uh, I've, I've used those recommendations on my book. I've used those recommendations because they people, of course, would say nice things about you and they're going to put it up. But I've used that in multiple places. And all I did was just go on there and say, hey, guys, can you leave? Can you say a couple of, can you recommend me? Can you? And they're like, no problem at all. I'd be more than happy to. And they're always happy to put something in there. Obviously, look, I've, I think I've combined a couple of them to get that. Uh, I use re- uh, reciprocity first. Then I asked them for the, for the social proof. Right? I did something for them. I might have interviewed them on the podcast. I might have uh, worked with them. might have done some consulting for them. And again, just like you mentioned, not getting paid for it. Maybe it took me three minutes, five minutes, but I saved them a ton of money. And then they were like, hey, no, of course, I'm going to leave you this review because you did that for me. And that, you have to leverage what you're going to use that for is the takeaway, right? So the takeaway is what do you use that social proof for is the biggest takeaway. Yeah, and, that's, and have people, and, and when you do get the social proof, pimp it out. Um, you know, have it as a part of your attachment in your email. Uh, I know some people, t- if they have a lot of Google or online reviews, they make a book out of it. Ooh. And they actually leave a book of their testimonials, like, like in their waiting room, their, kid, their clients are sitting there reading all these testimonials. Can you imagine how that is, where, right, you know, if someone's in the waiting room for a doctor and they're reading all these testimonials right before they come in, they're, they're charged by the time they walk into the room. Uh, where else do people use testimonials? They, uh, uh, obviously on your website, etc. but if someone walks in and let's just say they didn't find you through social reviews, suppose they go through a referral or they found you just randomly, you can even say, you can even drop the line, hey, by the way, I'm sure you've read all my Google reviews or you've seen all my online reviews and some of them are like, no. But guess what they're going to do the first the first opportunity they have? They're going to jump off and go check, right? Exactly. Um, all right, man. I think we, we hit uh, some of the high points of uh, influence by Robert Cialdini. Uh, I know he's, look, I think he has multiple books out at this point. Uh, yes is another one of his books that I highly recommend. And Persuasion is his other book. But I think for someone that's just starting out, I think Influence is the first thing that everyone should really read and reread. And I'm going to tell you, my book has, it's pretty old. It has a lot of uh, writing throughout it, throughout it. But I've used it multiple, multiple times, some of the strategies in here. Uh, what I like what he does is he does case studies, right? So the case studies are, are great concepts that you can use and kind of play off and try to figure it out yourself and see how you can take it and adapt it for your own industry. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think probably in the next episode we'll go through a couple more of these and I, I'm sure we'll kind of tangent off and come back to some of the examples that we use. But just to kind of recap, uh, we talked about reciprocation. Uh, one thing I would add about reciprocation is that it can take place throughout the relationship. Uh, you want to do something before they do something for you. That's before part of the relationship. During the relationship, it's always nice to kind of, uh, you know, do, I don't even want to call it reciprocation. Just do nice things for your clients. Uh, up the game. Send them something personal in the mail. Some, something to do, uh, you know, be like the Uber driver that offers them a, a bottle of water. I was going to say a cup of water, but if you're in an Uber and someone gives you a cup of water, you don't know it's where it's been. Uh, get the bottle of water. You know, they're the magazine for you. Continue to do something nice. And after a client's done work, when you do something nice again, give them a reason to say, not only did I have a great experience, but they did something nice for me after we were done, and uh, I want to send referrals, and I want to work with them again. So that was the reciprocation. What else did we do? We did uh, social proof, and we just went through, and we talked about authority or establishing expert status. Anything else you want to add, Joe? I think that's it, man. I think for this episode, I think we covered probably my three favorites. I think that really, if they start with, if our listeners just start with those three, I think we you got a really good starting point in what to do. Again, Robert Cialdini's book is Influence. Check it out. Make sure you, uh, you really read it and reread it. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode, guys. And if you have any questions and you want to uh, shoot us a message, feel free to reach out to us and let us know what you think about the book itself. 
All right, guys, we will catch you on the next episode, and we'll see you soon.